Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast with Rob Schallenberger. You're listening to the show that is guaranteed to help you transform your life and achieve results that otherwise would have seemed difficult or even impossible. In each episode, you'll learn from someone who has achieved extraordinary goals. Rob is a best-selling author, former F-16 fighter pilot, Air Force One advanced agent, world-renowned keynote speaker and corporate trainer who's trained Fortune 500 companies around the world, executive coach, father of four, and the CEO of Becoming Your Best Global Leadership. Now, here is Rob Schallenberger. All right, welcome to all of our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners, wherever you are in the world today. We have a special treat for you, an amazing lady who has been influencing lives around the world, and I'm confident that she's going to share some things on this podcast that can change and influence our lives, no matter where we're at. So let me introduce to you Julie Carrier, a great friend, and like I mentioned, an amazing lady. Uh, you might know her. She's been seen uh, in the homes, <laughs> literally, of millions of people around the U.S. on NBC's Today Show. She's been on the Education Channel, MTV's Made. She was also featured in the New York Times. Julie Carrier is a top national speaker, Emmy nominee, and author who has reached literally over half a million students, young women, and professionals through her high-impact messages. Now, Julie's going to share some of her humble beginnings and where she started out, uh, but even at 14, she started a company and then was selected as a Rotary Ambassadorial Scholar to England, and then at the age of 23, she was brought into the Pentagon to serve as a senior management consultant. Now, for some of you, if you've been involved with Jack Canfield's, Canfield's material, you might recognize her. She was featured and written about in the Success Principles, the Success Principles for Teens, and even the Chicken Soup uh, for the Extraordinary Teen Soul. And so we are excited to have Julie on. What I didn't mention is her amazing book, and we're going to talk a little bit more about her book, which is called Be Beautiful. <laughs> So, Julie, we're excited to have you on the show and talk about some of these things, and welcome to the program. Appreciate you being here. Well, Rob, thank you so much. It's really an honor to be here today. I really admire what you've built and all the lives that you're changing. So it takes takes a make a difference maker to know one. Right back at you. <laughs> well, it always helps to get to know someone. You know, we have all these accolades and these nice things that we say about people, uh, but I really love to get to the meat of who the person is. Where did they come from? Uh, because the truth is, we've all gone through struggles. We've all had challenges. Uh, and sometimes we don't see that. When we go through people's resumes, we think, wow, what an accomplished person. Uh, but the reality is, we've all had challenges. And so maybe if you don't mind, Julie, share just a little bit about your background, where you came from, where you grew up, and help our listeners get to know you a little bit uh, before we get into some of the content that you want to share with them. That's, that's such a good point to make. I mean, I've been there, too. You might see a speaker on stage or you're reading about a biography of someone who's been really successful, and it seems like they're an overnight success. And, oh, by the way, if you peel back the curtain, that overnight success just took 32 years or 38 yeah. years or 50 years to build. So I think it's really helpful, like you said, to see where someone starts off. And uh, I think one of the reasons I like to, to highlight this is most people wouldn't know this story unless I share it. You know, in uh, high school, I really struggled as a teenager, and there might be some parents here listening in that have a teen that's struggling or maybe even had a challenge when they were younger, and I was bullied very mercilessly. I had a growth disorder, so even though now I'm like five foot seven and former Miss Virginia, all that <laughs> stuff, the, the key back then is 
I had a really terrible self-image. I really struggled with my body image, with feeling worthy, with feeling like I wasn't, um, I didn't fit in. And what was very interesting um, during that time when I was literally so short and so small that I was still wearing kids' clothes in high school, and my voice, it's so funny, people wouldn't believe it, but it's true. <clears throat> my voice sounded just like this. I mean, literally super high, squeaky voice. Whenever I would raise my hand to volunteer in class, all the kids would snicker and make fun of me and laugh. And so I started to get the message that it wasn't okay to be myself, that it wasn't okay to have my voice heard. So I literally started dumbing myself down, trying to blend in. I mean, I would walk with my shoulders hunched over down the hallways. And on one particular day, something really extraordinary happened. I heard the principal announce over the PA system that there was going to be an all-school assembly. And so, you know, I was like, okay, another boring assembly. So I kind of, you know, slumped down the hallway, and I think a kid threw a spitball at me. And I remember just as clear as day, this is a number of years ago, sitting on the fifth row of the bleachers of the high school gym, really just feeling so heavy-hearted about my life, feeling like I didn't have a purpose. And then something amazing happened. I, I literally get goosebumps as I share this. The doors of the gymnasium opened, and through the doors walked a six-foot-three African-American man wearing this incredible tuxedo. It was, like, pristine, but far more powerful than what he was wearing was how he carried himself. He carried himself with such confidence, such passion, such care that when he walked across the room, every single eye was riveted to him. And he stood in the center of the gym floor and there was this pause and this hush fell over the audience. I was staring at this gentleman, wondering what was going to happen. And then he said something that literally changed the entire course of my life. He said, I'm wearing my best because you deserve the best. He said, you deserve to make the best choices. You deserve to live the best life. It doesn't matter what your history has been or what people have told you about yourself. It says, he said, what matters is the choices that you choose to make from this day forward. And I'll tell you what, Rob, I think every listener maybe has a moment where they met somebody that literally was their turning point. This gentleman was a turning point for me because as he said those things, for whatever reason, I believed him for the first time in my life. And I said, you know what? He's right. doesn't matter, you know, that my family struggled financially. It doesn't matter that I don't see my dad very often because he's traveling with the military. I just started to think, it doesn't matter what these kids are, are telling me. What matters is the choices that I make with the life that I have. And I remember, even though I was so short, walking out of that gymnasium room and looking back, and I was still too shy to thank him, but I said, you know what? Someday... I want to be able to impact the lives of other people the same way that he impacted mine. And I, and I share this story, Rob, because I think so often we, we are in a place where we don't feel like we fit in or we feel like, you know, there's no purpose for our lives. But it's someone else who's being their best that can inspire us to be our best. And so I, I really value and admire those who are listening in on this call today, investing their time figuring out how to be their best, and also the podcast outreach that you have, because really what's the biggest privilege in life? It is to truly be who we were meant to be, and that is extraordinary. That is our best. That is an awesome story. Let me ask you a question about that, Julie. Do you remember that person's name, or have you ever been in touch with them since? You know what? I'm so glad you asked that, because... 
for years I was searching and searching to thank this one speaker that because of, of him, I ended up ultimately deciding to leave my job at the Pentagon and have reached over you know, half a million young people and, and, and adults. And I thought, I just want to thank him so he knows that that one moment, that one point in my entire life, how he transformed it. And I was unsuccessful at finding the gentleman until recently when a speaker's bureau reached out to me and said, hey, Julie, we know you're one of the top youth leadership speakers for kids who like to represent you. Well, very much like you and how everybody should be, be very careful about your, your brand and who you let represent you because they have to be people of integrity. So, of course, I went to their website, and I was searching through the other speakers they represented, and guess what? I found a speaker who was wearing a tuxedo. I got so <laughs> excited. I thought, oh, my gosh, this is the same gentleman that came to speak at my high school 20 years ago. I, I also can be emotional. you probably very emotive. <laughs> uh, I started crying. I was like, this is, this is amazing. And so I found his email. I sent them probably was like a 10-page email thanking him for his impact. He responded back, and he said, Julie, I just want you to know it's moments like this that, that, that are great reminders of the privilege of being your own best. And so he said he was crying as he read my email. And funny enough, he's actually very close to my hometown. So next huh, time I visit my hometown, I'm actually going to go out there and take him to dinner and meet his wife. And just I just can't wait. It's going to be wonderful. You know, it's interesting. I'm sitting here thinking as you're talking, Julie, is that anybody can hold the title of a manager, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Is all we have to do is bring someone into this world. We hold the title of parent. Mm -hmm. But what really impacts people, and that is leadership. I mean, think, think about leadership and, and what that really means and how we influence others. And oftentimes, when we're talking about leadership, we're talking about helping people with the mindset and the skill set. It takes patience. Mm -hmm. It takes caring. It takes time sometimes. Mm -hmm. And in that process, we don't know the impact that one person can have on another. And oftentimes, we'll never see it. My guess is he had no idea what impact he had on your life when he walked out of that room that day. Uh, yet you said that he really was the turning point in your life. So not only do we have that opportunity as parents, as business leaders, to impact others, and oftentimes we'll never know, right? We'll never know what happened as a result. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's one thing that stood out to me. The other is you were in the position to where you were able to listen to him that day. You know, what if you would have slept that or what if you would have gone and done something else? And I was just in Canada last week and had a couple of parents asking, what can I do for my 15-year-old son? And one of my responses was, put him, or put him in a situation where he has a chance to absorb the right information. In other words, we think of garbage in, garbage out, rather greatness in, greatness out. And, and so as you told that story, I thought, you know, you sat in that room, you were in a position to get that experience, that information. So we as managers, leaders, as parents, are we putting our kids in situations where they can have that trigger experience? You know what I mean? Where, where something might click inside of them. Because if we're not giving them those opportunities, then how are we expecting them to uh, have that trigger or that turning point? Mm -hmm. And you know what? I 100% agree with you. And what's so interesting is that turning point can be uh, one conversation. That turning point can be a book. And I think so often people think, oh, I don't need to get this book for my employees because they're never going to read it. Or I don't need to invest in this conference because, you know what, they're not going to gain anything anyway. But it's so, so backwards. It's creating those opportunities to facilitate that opportunity to have those turning points does yield, I believe, miracles as it did in my own life and as I see daily when I travel around the country and see the impacts that it has on people. As I'm sure you do too, Rob. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of books, let's talk about that, Julie. Uh, Jack Canfield, who many of us are familiar with, a good friend, 
uh, wrote the book Chicken Soup for the Soul. He also wrote another book called The Success Principles. And one of your stories was featured in that book called How to Find Your Purpose. Can you tell us just a little bit about that? Absolutely. What's what's so fascinating about how privileged, what a privilege it is to be on this earth is I do believe that every single person, it doesn't matter what country you live in, what your history has been, every single person has a purpose. I believe they're here. You as a listener are here to fulfill a specific purpose that's for your life. And sometimes it's very difficult to figure out, well, what is my purpose? Why am I here? What am I supposed to do? And we kind of fall into a box. Like we kind of fall into a box of other people's expectations or a box of what we think we should be doing. And what Jack featured in his book was definitely a story about how I was in a box. And one of the boxes I was in my life was in college. I had no idea, like many students, maybe even some listening here today, what I was supposed to do. I had changed my major five different times. I just (laughs) really couldn't figure it out. And I finally started listening to everyone else. It was like, well, Julie, you like animals. You should be a vet. And I kept hearing that everywhere I went. I thought, you know what? Uh, what, what the heck? I'm just going to do this. I'll just be a vet. I just have to make some sort of decision. So I started studying pre-vet med, and I got really far along into my senior year of college when I basically had one year left, and I was fortunate to get a rotary scholarship to study abroad in England. And something extraordinary happened when I was away from all of those external pressures that were creating that box that I jumped right in that said I should be a vet. As I was in England on this extraordinary opportunity to represent the U.S. and travel and build goodwill and understanding, I was also studying and finishing up my pre-vet med program. And I remember sitting at my desk looking out of the window. It was a really gray, dreary day and had this massive stack of biology books. And my heart felt so empty. I thought, what am I doing studying all of this stuff? I, I can get an A in the class, but just because I'm good at something doesn't mean it's my purpose. And so actually for me, I'm a person of faith. I started praying. I prayed for some clarity. And this question jumped into my head. And this is the question that Jack especially loved. And he said, I have to put this in my book. The question that I, I heard in my mind that just jumped into my mind said, what is a job that you would love so much that you would do it for free and could get paid for it. And I paused. And I'll tell you what, Rob, I felt like kicking myself at the time. I thought, oh, my gosh, the answer has been in front of me the entire time. And I I don't recommend speaking negatively to yourself. And I was like, how could I be so stupid? I mean, it was in front of me the whole time. But because I was in that box, I couldn't see it. I thought back to every single summer of my college career. And Rob, I love leadership and leadership development for young people so much that I actually lived on credit card debt so I could volunteer at leadership camps and conferences the whole time instead of getting a, a regular job. Now, I don't recommend that. Just listener, please don't just go live on credit card debt. But what that does say is that was a job I love so much that I was doing it for free and I was paying for it, if that makes any sense. So I thought, oh my gosh, I love leadership. I love leadership so much. I was literally willing to volunteer my time to do this. And so I thought, you know what, I've got to quit my degree program in biological sciences, pre-vet med. And mind you, it was my senior year. Um, Many people thought I was crazy to do that. They said, Julie, just get your degree, just move forward, get a job like everybody else. But there was that little, you know, silent nudge on the inside that said, no, you're meant for something different. You're meant for something more that's in keeping with your gift. And so 
So I found a professor that agreed to let me create my own degree in leadership studies. And he laughed as he was looking over my transcript. He said, Julie, he said, every single one of your elective classes, the vast majority are all leadership classes. I was like, yeah, because I love leadership. He said, so we're going to flip your electives and make those your core classes. And we're going to make all your core classes from biology or electives. So what does all this mean? It means I have the craziest transcript ever. It says that I elected to take organic chemistry, human animal physiology is my fun classes. But here's the good news. I was able to go and get my degree program approved, and I graduated just uh, in an additional year. So it did take me six years to graduate. But the lesson here is by really pursuing what I loved and figuring out that I love leadership, that's how I got hired for my first job out of college as a management consultant in leadership development at the Pentagon because I was doing what I loved. And so I guess the, the, the lesson is here. Be really clear on why you're here. And you don't necessarily have to go to England to figure that out, but really step outside of those extra perceptions that people have or even that you think you have for yourself and ask yourself that very question. What do you love so much that you would do it for free and could maybe get paid for it? That, that's a really powerful question to really think about. And maybe you don't have a specific answer or a specific job, but start thinking about the elements of things that you love in your life. Maybe you're a people person. Maybe you love writing. Maybe you love travel. There's an answer for everybody. Yeah, and really, if I understand correctly, what you're talking about there is having a clear personal vision. Mm-hmm. And even, I mean, just briefly, this is, I want to keep this focused on you, but when I was 16 years old, you know, my last term of my junior year, I got a 0.6 GPA that term. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. Uh, I was working as a garbage guy at a water park. I had no direction. And similar mm-hmm. to you, I started asking, you know, is this what I want the rest of my life? Mm-hmm. And it was at that point in my life that I determined that I wanted to be a fighter pilot. Mm-hmm. And everything flipped. I asked, what's the plan? How do I, how do I go about doing this? What do I need to do? Well, I need to graduate from high school. Uh, so I went on to college, straight A's, from D's to F's to straight A's to get an wow. MBA. Mm-hmm. Everything changed when I had a personal vision. And what you're describing there is that personal vision. There's another question that you can ask to assess whether any of our listeners personally, I mean, this is something you can ask yourself, and it's very similar to Julie's question. What gets you excited Mm-hmm. And it's just like what you were asking there, Julie. I mean, once we have a personal vision, it gives us a passion and a clear direction. Then we can develop a plan. And what's interesting, you might I just share one thought with you on that? Please do. Oh, my goodness. This is a wonderful conversation. I love it. I've met people in their 30s or 40s. They've sold multi-million dollar organizations. They've been very successful from the outside. In personal conversations, however, they'll say, you know what? I had a vision. It drove me. I was passionate about it. I built this business. I sold it. And with that sale of the business went my vision. (laughs) It happens, doesn't it? And so they find themselves in the mid-30s or early 40s and they say, wait a second, now what? What do I do with myself? What do I do with life? That was my vision. And so this is something that may change throughout life. Uh, It may change as a parent. And I love this quote from Napoleon Hill. And then I have another question for you, Julie. Napoleon Hill said, cherish your visions and your dreams as they are the children of your soul, the blueprint of your ultimate achievement. And what you just described there was a blueprint that took you then and carried you up to where you are now, which is what I want to focus on because it's really important for our listeners to hear this because of what you've done in this arena. You've chosen to focus a lot of your time and attention. You become one of America's top uh, youth speaker for girls. You wrote the book, Be Beautiful, which is amazing. I've heard you speak and share some of the stories from it. <laughs> what are some of the insights from that book and why did you choose then to focus on teens and girls and, and what are some of the thoughts that you could share regarding that? 
Mm-hmm. And you know what I, I really appreciate, Rob, is how you mentioned that we will go through different phases of our life. We need to continually ask ourselves those questions. You know, what is a job I'd love so much I do it for free? Or what do I get excited about? And we may have one vision and then we achieve that or it changes. And that's exactly what happened when I went to the Pentagon. I had an amazing, amazing four years really serving some extraordinary people doing innovative, cutting-edge leadership development training programs that were very, very successful. And as I was working there, I kept thinking back to that gentleman who changed my life so many years ago when I was 14, and I kept thinking, gosh, leadership for adults is so powerful and so helpful. But wow, how much more powerful would it be to be able to take this amazing idea of leadership and support young people? And so I came to the, the, sometimes it's a difficult choice. And for me, it was the difficult choice to leave my very prestigious job at the Pentagon to be become a positive role model and advocate for young people. Um, for me, the, the real motivation came from seeing how fortunate I was to be very successful at a young age and seeing how many young people that were my same age or younger that weren't given those same opportunities or didn't have those same role models or people that were mentoring them. So they were on a different path. They weren't living their passion. So anyway, I left my job at the Pentagon. That's another story in and of itself. Uh, Many people thought that I was making a very terrible decision. But fast forward, um, I started becoming a top speaker for young people at leadership conferences, very large events, 5,000, 8,000, sometimes 10,000 young people. And the biggest thing that stood out to me is I always look for opportunities to listen. I believe that that the, you know life will give you clear messages if you're listening. And the the thing that kept happening at these leadership conferences is I was approached by so many girls that were at this teen event, and they would say, "Gosh, you're the first you know woman leadership speaker I've ever seen at this teen event." And I started doing research, and I found that oh my gosh, I'm one of the very few youth leadership speakers that happens to be a woman. And I thought, well, I think it's really important that young men and young women have access. To seeing women leaders on stage. So I started uh, really focusing a little bit more of my attention on girls and making sure that they had the messages that they deserved to see that they too could be a leader. Um, when that happened, some of the girls' breakout sessions that I was doing, so I'd do a teen leadership speech and then I would do like a girls' breakout, they were standing room only. They literally had to shut the doors. There were girls so desperate to hear messages tailored to them about how to deal with body image and self-esteem, dating pressures. Really, the, the toxic media world is undermining them and their ability to be successful so they were so hungry for the truth we found that that we couldn't serve as many girls as we wanted so that's how I started creating girls only conferences we call them BU so it's B-E-Y-O-U to full events and so I'm grateful now in addition to doing youth leadership speaking uh, different organizations groups Girl Scouts um, even girls schools bring me in to do either a half day or a full day girls leadership event and by the end girls are walking taller feeling more confident knowing that it's cool to be a girl of character, that they shouldn't have to dumb themselves down to fit in to some low media standard that says that as a woman your only value is what you look like or your ability to uh, be a body part, basically. (laughs) To put it bluntly, that's what a lot of our girls are getting. I think girls deserve a better vision of success than nearly nude celebrities and toxic reality TV role models. So let's take that, Julie. And I have three daughters. I have a son and then three daughters. Uh, The oldest of the three girls is 11 years old. So let's say that you are in a room with my daughters as well as maybe some other teenage girls. What's a couple of pieces of advice or a couple of tips that you would give them? If you were one-on-one face-to-face with my daughters, and you could say this with any of our listeners, and this is going to be very niche for a second. If you don't have a daughter, I'll bet it still applies to you in some way in whatever you share. But if you're in a room with my daughters and a group of other teenagers, 
what would you share with them? Two or three pieces of advice. Mm, that's a really great question. And I think what's wonderful about it is whether someone has a daughter or uh, is, a, is a woman or even has sons, some of these messages are universal truths. They apply to everyone. If I was speaking specifically to your girls, what I probably would do is I would say, hey, you know what? I have, I have the ultimate beauty secret. And they usually look at me like they do in the audience like, what? And I'd ask them, would you like to hear this ultimate beauty secret? Well, what do you think that their answer usually is? Of course, a lot of times the girls are like, well, yeah, I want to hear what that is. And basically, I talk to them about the idea that it's not really a beauty secret at all, that it's actually a leadership and a success secret. The ultimate beauty secret is actually the ultimate B-U-T secret. What are the two key words there? Yeah, be, be you. you. Right? Be you. And here's the thing that I find, obviously you've heard that before. I'm sure your girls have heard that before. Many of us have heard that so often that it's a dismissed cliche. But I'm here to say with your, your girls, I would say, look, even though it sounds like a cliche, being who you authentically are meant to be is one of the most difficult but one of the most rewarding things that you can ever do to live an extraordinary life because I believe that you are a masterpiece and the entire history of the world that ever was and ever will be, you are the one and only you and you have a powerful purpose that is specifically yours to fulfill. And I understand in this world full of so many lies that bully you into believing that who you are isn't enough, the first step to really being successful, to really loving your life is to understand that you are enough, that you have everything you need to truly succeed. The key is learning how to let who you really are shine even brighter. And that's really the premise, Rob, of everything that I talk about, knowing that you as a human being, you as a girl, you as a, as a, as a soul, you know, someone spiritual, I definitely appreciate God and, and what he's done in my life. You are priceless. And when you tap into those gifts and talents that make you you and you use them instead of trying to hide behind a, a label or hide in a box that someone has put you in, wow, does life become a very different place. You become bold and confident or able to do things you never dreamed were possible. So that's one of the biggest messages is being who you authentically are, not who people say you should be, not who you think you should be, but actually being who you are. And that's an ongoing journey in life for and Julie, anyone. I just want to share one thought here. As a parent, as I'm reflecting on what you're saying, you know, I, <laughs> I watch all these parent sports. We go to wrestling, we go to soccer, we go to football, we go to swimming. And it's interesting to interact with different parents. And, and to a degree, I'm even guilty of this. And that is sometimes we as parents try to mold our children into what we want them to become. And we as parents don't allow our own children to become who they are or who they are capable of. Does that make sense? It does. You're, you're just sitting there we talking. We have our own vision of what we want them to achieve. That's normal, but it's, it does take an extra step or a heartbeat to say, ooh, is that what is best for them or is that what I think is best for them? Yes. And I think that's an important thing for parents is that we don't try and live our lives through them. <laughs> we allow them to grow into who they can become and where their gifts and talents are at, not molding them into our ideal image of what we think they should become. So I just wanted to highlight that as you're talking, that this really is about being you, whoever that it is. It's about being you. And I think here's, can I just mention a little something for our parent listeners? I think it's, it's really, it's really, you know, parents love their children. And I see this, you know, wherever I go, whether it's a mother or daughter conference or Girl Scouts, like parents love their kids, not not unfortunately all parents, but most parents do. Most people are very good moms and dads and doing their best. 
And I find that they're so worried because they'll tell their children about positive choices and making good decisions that are the best for them, but then they go out into this media world where they're completely undermined. And so I would just encourage our parents that you are the number one role model for young people. Studies show this. When girls or young men are asked who is their number one role model, guess what the most popular answer is? mom or dad. And they won't necessarily tell you that, but it is absolutely true. I, I even ask it to them, to them myself, uh, by myself, I should say. Here's the thing. Um, it's so important as their number one role model to make sure you find other positive influences outside of the family to reinforce the same things you're saying inside the family. Because it's very hard for young people to hear one thing at home and then they go out into this reality TV toxic media world where they're bombarded with so many negative messages. But here's the good news. Research says that if you can give them access just to one other caring adult, uh, whether it's some, a positive resource online or something that they're reading that reinforces the same thing that you're teaching at home, they're so much more likely to believe what you're saying and to actually follow through on it. <laughs> what you just uh, described there created in my mind a visual image of a commercial that I recently saw. It had a family all dressed in white sitting on a white couch in a room, and they shot something like 10,000 paintballs within two seconds at this family. And so they're all in white, and then within one to two to three seconds, here's 10,000 paintballs just pummeling them. Mm-hmm. And now they're colored all over the place. And what the point of that commercial was is illustrating the impact that media and other uh, channels are having in the minds of our kids. What impact is that having that they're being bombarded, whether it's video games, whether it's TV, radio, uh, the school system that they're going through, and what mm-hmm. is the perceived norm? And I agree with what you said there, getting influences outside the family who can help. And it goes back to helping put our kids in situations where they have a chance to have that trigger go off, where something can flip in their mind, where they are in a position to hear something that could trigger something within them. Really the same, everything we're talking about here could be applied to our employees as well. True. <laughs> I mean, and whatever applies to young, you know, a young person, it also absolutely applies to the arena of leadership and companies too. Well, Julie, I can't believe 30 minutes has just flown by like that. And it's been such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Such great insights and reminders for us as managers, parents, and just people in general, how we treat and interact with others. So before we go, uh, maybe you could just share with our listeners how they could get a hold of you. How could they get you know, some more tips and ideas from you? Your contact details, website, anything else you want to share? I'd be honored. Well, for those listeners of you out there that are interested in having me support the success of your audiences, whether it was a teen audience or a girl's audience or a young professional's audience, please visit my website, juliespeaks.com. And for those of you who care about a special girl in your life, whether you're a parent or you are a teacher or you're a mom or a mentor, uh, please feel free to visit my free mentoring site for for girls. It's beautifulclub.com, and I'll spell it really quick because it's B-E-Y-O-U-T-I-F-U-L, club.com, and that's where you get tons of free resources on building confidence for girls, giving them access to great role models, and also hearing the same things that you're teaching them at home, but from a different perspective. <laughs> and I can tell you, I'm going to get Julie's book and have all three of my girls read it. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> I'll tell you what, that's, that's great. You can even make it a family thing. It's good for, for creating conversations on important topics. Yes, absolutely. I, you know, this is just a very personal one for me, though, Julie, because I see this in my daughter's life. Uh, and I'll just wrap up with this last thought. I wasn't going to share it, but uh, in our seminars, one of the things that we practice is how to develop an attitude of success in the workplace 
because if you don't add that culture to support the strategy, culture will eat strategy for breakfast. Mm. And what I'm talking about here is the same mentality that kids get bombarded with as far as that programming carries right into adulthood. And we see it all the time around us in adulthood. And so one example of this is how to combat that and how to change it, whether it's positive self-talk, self-affirmations or whatever. So with my daughter a few years ago, just for fun, I tried this. I said, hey, Bella, say the words, I'm beautiful. And she said, dad, I'm not beautiful. I'm ugly. And I thought, what? (laughs) I might wanted to jump out of the truck. I thought I was a total failure. And so I said to her, I tried again, you know, hoping, grasping now. I said, Bella, say the words, I am smart. And she said, dad, I'm not smart. I'm dumb. And the fact is, in eighth grade, she was at the top of her class. In her grade, she was the equivalent of an honors class. So she was actually brilliant, but that's not how she saw herself. And what if that was to continue? So that became a personal quest over the next months and years is to help her change that thought process. And so I'd ask her to say those words. Say, Bella, I am beautiful. I'm smart. I'm kind. And at first, for her to say those words was visually painful. You could see her wince to say them. And then after a couple of weeks, it started to get easier and easier. Uh, But that programming that you've been talking about, Julie, is very real. I've seen it in my family. I've seen it in people all over that we work with in seminars, even to include, you know, successful executives. When you start talking with them, uh, you can see that programming. And so what you've said is so valuable. I'm so grateful that you took the time to come on and share some of your ideas with our listeners. So appreciate you being here, Julie. Thank you so much, Rob. And thank you all so much for listening. All right. Well, hey, to all of our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners, if you haven't already done it, go to the website, becomingyourbest.com, put in your first name and email to get those inspirational quotes every morning, as well as that weekly success message uh, every Monday morning. So, hey, thanks for being here today, and we wish you a great and terrific week. Take care. And thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Becoming Your Best podcast. We want to know what your big takeaways were, so head on over to becomingyourbest.com and you can find all the information about the podcast right there as well as the show notes page where we'd love to hear what you thought about each and every single episode. Also, if you haven't done so yet, please go subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a rating and review. A rating and review is by far the best way for you to show your appreciation for the show because it helps other people find out about the show and decide if this is the podcast for them. So now it's all in your hands. It's time for you to go out there to take action and truly start becoming your best.